Good morning from a sunny Pacific Northwest. This is indeed Wednesday, June 24th, 2015. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 188. My name is Chris, and there's a lot of interesting things going on in the news today. And since we have so many stories to get into, I don't want to waste your time. Let's jump right in with the Mumble Room. Time of probes, so greetings there. Oh, Mumble Room. Hello. Greetings. Hey there, guys. So I don't know if you've heard about our first story or not, but uh, let's dig into this. Samsung appears to be actively disabling Windows updates on some of its Samsung computers. Uh, so this is kind of a big deal if you've bought Samsung at some of like, the big box stores where they're super cheap. Uh, Windows update appeared to be getting disabled randomly on different machines until Microsoft had a uh, little uh, investigation. When they pointed the fun- Then they discovered and pointed the finger at Samsung's software update. Specifically, the tool that ships with Samsung's computers, uh, it downloads and runs a file inconspicuously named disable underscore Windows Update dot exe. Love it. Samsung describes its updates tool as follows. You can install relevant software updates for your computer easier and faster using SW Update. The SW Update program helps you install and update your software and driver easily. Yes, your driver. <clears throat> So, uh, like many of the tools that ship with your computer, uh, this tool was like uh, update your drivers, do things like that. But here it gets even better. Uh, Samsung's update tool, not only does it disable Windows Update, but it can be installed through Samsung's website, too. Uh, He also found that regardless of how a Windows Update is set up, the the software update tool will reconfigure the software update settings. Uh, it downloads the executable in question as part of a zip file from Samsung's website, and it has a digital certificate that is actually signed by Samsung. Um, and so people were trying to figure out, why would Samsung do this? Why would Samsung want to disable Windows Update other than just being Samsung? Well, apparently, now they're not sure if it was a chicken or an egg, but either this happened or Samsung was worried this was going to happen. But the scenario goes like this. Because Windows updates updates more than just patches, it also updates drivers. Microsoft pushed out a driver update that caused issues on some Samsung machines. And so Samsung's solution, and this is what's being pieced together after talking to Samsung support teams, Samsung's solution was to just disable Windows updates altogether. That was their solution. And so now they're going to just handle the updates for you. And this apparently affects everything from current Windows down to XP. Uh, They're just going to handle it for you. They're just going to handle it for you. I'm sure Microsoft's pretty happy about this. Uh, Is this unbelievable? Uh, Sean, do you think this is egregious? Is this Samsung gone too far, or is this totally expected from somebody like Samsung? Well, to be honest, with the three years that I spent working at Best Buy in their tech department, this is exactly the kind of move that I expect yeah. out of Samsung. Yeah. <laughs> Just completely overrun what is actually good to do and assume that they have the right way. Yeah, I completely agree. This is exactly what I would expect because here's why. And it's really kind of cute. Um, Samsung thinks they're creating a product, an experience, and a story. And when you buy a PC... That that's a that is a full Samsung product. It's not a Samsung built computer that ships the Microsoft Windows operating system that has other people's software on it. It is a Samsung experience, and so it's natural that because it's their experience that they would want to manage the updates from top to bottom because they do some sort of weird parody of Apple in all things it seems in the computers, and they just completely mess it up. And this is super irresponsible because nobody is more suited to manage the platform than the platform vendor. Nothing makes that more clear than, like, the update situation with Android. We only need that. That can only get worse when Samsung takes that further. And if nothing else, the one thing Microsoft got right, the one 
one single single thing Microsoft should be applauded for was they really managed to get the Windows Update system actually working pretty damn well, all things considered. It actually works pretty well. And that's that's the thing Samsung's turning off. <laughs> that's the thing. The one thing. <clears throat> I'm not saying it's like the only thing, but I mean like if you put if you analyze all of the technologies that Microsoft has refined over the years, I mean we some of you remember when Windows Update, most of you maybe remember when Windows Update was an ActiveX plugin in Internet Explorer 4? Do you guys remember that? That's how it started, right? And Microsoft has iterated and iterated on this, and you got to give them some credit. They have at least done a decent job here. So it's really funny that that's what they kill. <laughs> Samsung is just a bunch of fool bags. Uh, anybody else in the mum room have any uh, comments on the story? <laughs> okay, well then uh, get your car patched uh, because uh, car hacking is disastrously easy, according to a report. Uh, that's a co- according to an Economist, uh, and the Economist uh, it has a piece and they're trying to rally support around legislators to uh, amp up auto manufacturing security efforts and maybe uh, apply some pressure to the auto manufacturers. <clears throat> so, they say, get ready for this one. Taking control remotely of cars, for instance, has become distressingly easy for hackers given the proliferation of wireless connected processors now used to run everything from keyless entry and engine ignition to brakes, steering, tire pressure, throttle settings, transmission, and anti-collision systems. Today's vehicles have anything from 200 to 100 electronic control units. Those are ECUs, that's what the kids call them. Managing their various electromechanical systems. Easy for me to say. They go on to say, the problem confronting car makers everywhere is that they add ever more ECUs to their vehicles to provide more features and convenience to motorists. They unwittingly expand the attack surface of their onboard systems. In security terms, this attack surface, the exposure system present in terms of its reachable and exploitable vulnerabilities, i.e. all the different things hackers get to poke at, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, bad software updates, that's the attack surface, that's what they're trying to say. Those things determine the ease or otherwise with which how easy hackers can take control of the system. There is no such thing as an absolute security. Even firms like Microsoft and Google have been unable to make a web browser that cannot go back a few months without needing some critical security patches. Cars are no different. Now, why, why is Chris reading this? Because this is one of three reports I've seen come out in like the last two weeks. It has been really interesting seeing a lot of stuff of this come out. And now, does anybody in the mumble room remember the name Michael Hastings? Anybody in the chat room remember the name Michael Hastings? <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if anybody else out there remembers. Well, maybe some of you do. If you listen to Unfilter episode 56, it's been a little while. Uh, let's see, when did we post this? Uh, June 26. Wow. <laughs> 2013. So it's been two years. Well... Uh, in episode 56, we talked about a journalist, a really, really well-respected journalist called Michael Hastings, who uh, was driving a very nice Mercedes car. One of the top-of-the-line Mercedes cars with all in-car Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. And uh, while he was working on an investigation about how the FBI is often behind terror plots that are launched in the United States, his car accelerated to a very high speed and crashed into a tree in a neighborhood, and he was killed immediately. Uh, and there was a lot of speculation online about uh, how he died. In fact, some people speculated that it was perhaps via car hacking. Um, there's other rumors that, that fueled this, uh, that he, he had told a, a friend the night before that he felt like he was, he was being followed by the FBI and that he feared for his life and uh, things like that. Um, so now it's interesting to see uh, so many reports come out after that. And they're in the studies, some of the cars they're studying are the very car he drove. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. 
Uh, but it, it it just gives me some perspective, you know, two years now after the fact, when it was considered absolutely ludicrous, absolutely, absolutely ludicrous that somebody could remotely control somebody's car and cause it to crash and cause it to accelerate. That could never happen. That's in sci-fi. And then now since then, we've seen study after study saying that and – and I'm not totally clear on this, but I, what, I kinda, what it seems to come down to, if I'm understanding correctly, is that – in-car networking is facilitated by something called CAN bus. And if anybody in the mumble room knows better, please interrupt me. But in-car networking is facilitated by something called CAN bus, I think. And CAN bus is basically have at it. It's like a, it's like a hub. It's like everything's connected to everything. And so if you, <clears throat> if, you are able to get, if you're able to connect to a device over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, and then, and, and then you, from there, and you're able to get on the CAN bus network. So say there was... Um, a, uh, a Microsoft Windows CE-powered entertainment system or an old Linux-powered entertainment system or an old Android, <clears throat> you know, and some Android, some early Android-powered system. If that system could be exploited over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth and, and CAN bus is connected to that system as like another networking interface, then it's very likely a remote attacker <clears throat> could communicate with other devices in the car, specifically, if I understand correctly, because of how CAN bus is architected. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Count Zero says uh, CAN bus was designed to be hardwired. Wireless was never part of the plan. There was never supposed to be anything wireless connected to the CAN bus interface. <clears throat> so uh, I think that's where the fundamental flaw lies in this. I could be totally wrong. If you know better, techtalktoday.reddit.com. I would really like to know more. Um, it's very fascinating, though. It's good. It's inf- interesting stuff. And I would invite you, if you're curious more about what we said back then when people said that we were a bunch of lunatics, I'm not saying he was killed, but I'm saying... Back then in episode 56, I think it was worth entertaining the idea. Now I think it's worth entertaining the idea even more than ever. Episode 56 of Unfilter, which was two years ago. Wow. I wonder if we have a Red Book prediction on that. So here's an interesting thing. Remember how I said we're going to talk about this net neutrality stuff as interesting things develop? Well, we have our first interesting thing developing here in the good old U.S. of A. The first official net neutrality complaint has been filed to the FCC. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not much of a doozy. Uh, Unfortunately, in a filing with the Federal Communications Commission on Monday, a commercial network services, CNS, for the kids out there, claims it's being charged unjust rates to deliver its streaming webcam videos to consumers. CNS wants Time Warner Cable to carry its traffic for free, but TWC is telling CNS chief executive Barry Bohari that the company doesn't qualify for what's called a settlement-free detail. So, TNS is going after him with the FCC, but here's the sticky bit. If you read these new net neutrality real, uh, rules real, real close, this is according to WashingtonPost.com, not according to Chris. This is according to the Washington Post. They say if you read these new FCC net neutrality rules real super close, they only cover the so-called last mile between a consumer's device and the Internet provider. You guys know what that is. And it doesn't address the part of the Internet where Time Warner Cable and TNS are having their dispute, i.e. where they connect up, where they link up, like from, you know, maybe data center, whatever, you know, connection points, whatever. So the FCC could find that, in fact, TWC is not breaking any rules of the new net neutrality rules at all. And if that's true, that's a huge wiggle point. The last mile is the only point where the net neutrality stuff applies? Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Is that real? Is that legit? Womp, womp. That's, that's, so what? That's not where the problem is. I mean, that is, but... The real problem now is becoming the upstream competition, the fact that Comcast and Time Warner and all these guys are owning the entire interconnected part of it. That's – I mean, I don't know. What do I know? I'm just a podcaster, but geez. 
I mean, I'm glad to have last mile protected, but <laughs> that seems like only part of the solution. Okay. So we'll have that link in there if you want to read more about that. Oh, hey, let's talk about music a little bit. This is kind of interesting. And, you know, in light of all of the hubbub around Apple Music, uh, let's not forget about Google Music. And it's getting an ad-supported free radio. Roughly a year after about Songza, the online radio service with playlists that were created by music experts, uh, Google has added an ad- has added its now ad-supported radio service to Google Play Music. The move essentially integrates Songza-like functionality into Google's streaming music. The new radio service exists as an option on the sidebar there of your Google Play Music, along the ability to have like recommended stations and you know listen now on the homepage. Basically, if you're familiar with Pandora, it's kind of like that. Stations can be created from artists or genres, and songs can be related with thumbs up and thumbs down. And then, you know, it's like, ooh, I know what you like. Let me check that music DNA. Oh, uh. You're also going to have ads in there from time to time, so hopefully you don't really mind that. The new radio option is live on the U.S. Play Music website right now, and Google says Android and iOS apps will be rolling out this week. Google Play Music now offers just about every type of music. They say it's going to have 50,000 songs, the new ad-supported radio service. Uh, and then you can buy them, and also you can get all you can stream with no ads as part of the nine ninety nine subscription service, $9.99 a month. So that's Google Music Update. Not a bad service. I've tried it on and off for a while. I kind of like it. Um, and I think it's one of the things I do enjoy about it is uh, it seems like it's pretty good quality. And if when I was really into Google+, Plus, I really liked how you could share a track to Google+, Plus and then people could listen to it in their t- Google+, Plus timeline. That's, a, that's a, kind of a, a kind of a sweet integration that only the Googs can do. Uh, and now let's talk about the Apple Music. Yes, yes, friends. Not only has Apple rebounded from their uh, Tay-Tay spat, but <laughs> now they're, like, rolling in indies. Uh, that's right. They just got, like, 20,000 labels signed up uh, as a result of their new indie deal. Uh, Beggars, I think it's Beggars, Beggars, B-E-G-G-A-R-S. Anybody hipper than me know how to say that? All right. Beggars it is. Uh, they have uh, they've made a deal. Uh they're going to have Radiohead, Arcade Fire, among others. 20,000 labels is, are all in this distribution deal with Apple Music. And uh, they're celebrating. So there's I, – I just I, – I mean this whole thing has completely – like Apple Music is going to be a huge deal now. Like now the launch is going to be like this huge freaking deal. Like if, if this whole Tay-Tay spat hadn't came up. I think, like, the tech nerds would have known about it, and it would have been like, that's it, and it would have been like this slow rollout. Now, like, the entire frickin' world knows about Apple Music, and now Apple's getting good PR for making good with Tay-Tay, and now they're getting all the... They just got 20,000 indies to sign up. Uh, Like, what the heck? What is... Like, this is gonna... This is gonna be a huge thing. This has gone from, like, oh, Apple's, like, got no chance to... This is a really huge deal. Uh, And so I'm just... I don't know. Mumble room. At this point, anybody change their tune? Is anybody going to try Apple Music? Sean? Spazzy? Anybody? Come on. Nobody? Sorry, I don't use any of these streaming streaming, uh, music services. You ought to try it. You ought to, not necessarily Apple Music, but maybe Spotify or Google Music. Because I didn't either. For like the longest time ever, I had my own local collection. I wanted the highest quality possible. And I had really taken a lot of time to, to to do the collection. But... And then I then two things started happening. I started getting mo- new mobile devices, and I didn't want to move that stuff around all the time and use up a lot of space on the mobile. 
And I wanted to have SSDs, and I didn't want to have like a ton of space taken up by music on my SSDs, and I didn't want to spend a lot of money on huge SSDs. So I sort of started slipping more and more into trying out Spotify, and uh, then I created some playlists in there, and had some friends create some playlists in there, and and turned on the extreme quality streaming, so it's, it sounds really good. And I, I actually, I'm actually, I find it to be surprisingly good. I, I if you haven't tried it before, I try try a streaming challenge. It's better than you think. Um, yeah, I've tried Spotify, but I won't touch Apple. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, for those of you who will touch Apple, there is something interesting that uh, didn't get announced at WWDC that's going to be included in iOS 9, uh, an automatic app delete feature and then reinstall for updates. So if the iOS device doesn't have sufficient space to download the iOS update, it will delete apps, install the update, and then repull the latest app from the App Store. Which, why, don't, why doesn't everybody do this? Why doesn't Android do this? This is really smart. And not only is this really smart, but Apple already has an 87% adoption rate for iOS 8. So, and, 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 and the leading uh, believed cause for it to be only 87 is that there's devices out there with only 8 gigabytes and 16 gigabytes of storage, and they've filled their devices up with stupid apps. So this is actually kind of brilliant because if they can preserve the data, which they have up in iCloud, and they just pull down the binary again from, from the store, really people don't need to keep these apps on their devices. It, this is, I think, a really good idea. And, and the, only, the, the bigger picture here is it's going to just help them keep kicking ass on adoption uh, compared to Android. Um, it's kind of, or, or here's another idea. Maybe because they're the richest company in the world, they could stop selling devices with 16 gigabytes of storage. I don't know. I don't know. How about you just eat that a little bit, Apple? How about you make 32 gigabytes the minimum? Imagine if you would have done that two years ago. You wouldn't have to be inventing crazy crap like this. <sighs> All right. So I, I just, it, when you think about it like that, it, it, is, it is kind of hilarious how they are, from a software engineering standpoint, bending over backwards <laughs> to make sure that they can get as much margin as possible. I guess, actually, that's, that's why they're the richest company in the world at times, or one of the richest companies in the world. Uh, okay, all right. So I wanted to cover some feedback in the subreddit from yesterday's episode, the Chromium Bugging Bug, episode 187. Uh, and uh, Xerox, or Zero50, said that what I struggle to understand about the Chromium Bug is why there hasn't been a massive and very loud public hue and cry over this. Uh, then the Baron, 1834, says, uh, I'm reminded of death of a thousand cuts. Each cut isn't all that bad. A few together hurts, but it's uh, livable. Altogether, though, and it spells it spells the end. Um, <clears throat> uh, Zero says, "Yeah, it's essentially mission creep, one of the blights of our time." Uh, then uh, P P four P three P four P three R says, "I'm sad I couldn't voice my opinion today. The Chromium download is horrible. As a Debian user, this is against the DFSG. The, you you use a Chromium to, you use Chromium to get away from Google, but now that line has been crossed." Uh, here's what I'm taking away from the feedback. We didn't come down hard enough. Like, I, I was sort of metering my... I was trying to meter my response and be like, well, I, I kind of want to live in the world with Jarvis. And I was trying to meter my response a little bit because so often I feel like I go out on a ledge and I'm, I'm the one that's saying, guys, what Google's doing should be raising the hair on the back of your neck. We should be asking questions. you got to think about more than what they're just telling us. And, and then I feel like I go out there so often as the one to say that that from time to time I almost hold myself back because, like, 
I can't always be the one saying this sounds really crazy because you guys will just think I'm a mad person all the time. It does bother me that they're doing that. And like I said, for me, technically, the line gets crossed when you automatically download a binary that enables something at a hardware level on my machine. I don't care if it's GPU acceleration. I don't care if it acts, you know, if it's faster SSD cache management or if it's activating my microphone or my webcam. I would like to be notified. I would like, just like when I install an app on Android, to have something come up and says, hey, something is about to be installed that needs permissions to access these things. And in fact, I would like it to have to come up and prompt me before it goes to use them for the first time or two, like the, like the, uh, like the iOS system does and like Android M is going to do. Ken Zero says the whole Google thing is like you said yesterday about boiling frogs. Some people are happy to have all the fancy features. And not worry about it, but personally, it scares the hell out of me. <laughs> um, hmm. All right. Okay. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's an intense. I don't know if I really want to end it on that, though. That's kind of intense. Mumbrum, do you guys, Sean, Spazzy, do you guys want to get chime in any closing thoughts on the Google topic? I was just caught by surprise that they were doing this in Chromium where none of this needs to be. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Rikai says he's still of the opinion that it's Debian's responsibility to audit the code. Chromium isn't owned by Google. The code is open. There is, in fact, an option to turn this on and off in Chrome, and it's off by default. So there's another way. There's another take. Uh, okay. So I would say let's talk about something positive, something that, that cheers me up, the Patreon. Look at this, 550 supporters over at patreon.com slash today. You guys are so awesome. And I, I really do appreciate it as we are doubling down on so many things at the moment and just sort of uh, reeling from coming back from a couple of fest and – really super happy with the results too so it's like awesome that we're seeing the support as we've been working so so hard so it really does give us a little bit of a morale boost so thank you so much patreon.com slash today if you want to help invest in our network and help push us forward and get things even better and better we're always building to make things higher better quality higher better gooder all the time neater fancier goody goodier anything like that that sounds kind of silly apply that insert that there patreon.com slash today Thanks for helping us make it goodier. <laughs> okay, so yesterday I played an end of show clip that was a horrible, horrible, horrible commercial uh, that involved some of our favorite Star Trek actors. Okay. Now, if you thought yesterday's end of show clip was bad, I think this is the worst Star Trek of all time. I mean, I love these characters. It's good to see Jimmy Duhon. But I just, I just wish somebody else would have written these lines. So uh, cringe with me, friends, as this is our end of show clip. Then join me tomorrow. Tech Talk today is 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, jblive.tv, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Hey, fair warning, there will not be a Friday edition of this show because uh, I'm making room for uh, Women's Tech Radio to do a big batch of recording. I know, Sean. Sean, don't cry. That was Sean. He's very upset. Sean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But join me tomorrow. I will be here tomorrow as far as I know unless something comes up. <laughs> Disclaimer. JBLive.tv, JupiterBroadcasting.com. So calendar, techtalktoday.reddit.com to make this show better. And now, friends, I leave you with whatever you want to call this. Meteorite storm. Scotty, beam us up. Scotty. Don't worry, Captain. It's only a shower. I don't need a brawly, you wally. Beam us up! Captain, I haven't got the power. Try, man, try. Power! More power! Man's power, man. 
again. Well, he certainly hasn't got the power. Good afternoon. But you could have national power and power gen. To register for a prospectus in the generating company's share offers, call 0272 272 272. 